0: Today's episode is brought to you by Balulu Studios. Balulu Studios is a small event space located at 3131 Bull Street in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, visit balulustudios.com backslash space. Hello, my name is Kevin, and thank you for tuning in to the 10 Frame Podcast. In this episode, I had a conversation with Ben Dunn, an artist currently based in Macon, Georgia. Ben talked about his work and the reasons behind it, and shared some valuable advice for emerging artists. We also discussed his painting that is currently on display at the Museum of Contemporary Art of Georgia. This is part of the Gathered Six group show, and this exhibition will be open until January 13th. So if you're in Atlanta, make sure to stop by Mocha GA and check out the exhibition. If you can't make it in person, you can still take a virtual tour of all of the galleries on mochaga.org. If you're curious about my own work, you can find me on Instagram at Kevin Paint, And you can check out Kelly's work on Instagram at Kelly K Thompson Art. Hey Ben, can you hear me? And I guess we could just jump right into it. So, um, we haven't met in person, but it was nice to see your work being discussed. Yeah, same.
1: I went out at the uh, reception. I don't know how we missed each other, but um, uh, I'm sure maybe I can catch you at the closing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell everybody maybe first how they can see your work online?
1: Yeah. Uh, so my website is just my name. So it's ben-done.com. So bendun com. Uh, and also I have an Instagram account that is uh, periodically active, which is, uh, at dang been done. Nice.
0: I would consider that you, I would say that you're a multidisciplined artist. You don't work with one specific material. Um, but I might be wrong. So can you just tell everybody about your work and we'll dive into maybe your process?
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, So I definitely uh, come out of painting and I think of myself as a painter. And I think um, some of the work um, involves the maybe language of like furniture making and woodworking and some sort of installation based stuff um, or things with like lights and some uh, uh, right now I'm working on some kind of uh, projects which involve audio uh, components and stuff, but it all sort of comes out of the I think what is like the spirit of painting and the history of painting and, and and landscape painting traditionally is kind of the little pocket that I sort of conceptualize all this work inside of
0: okay. can you talk a little bit of, a little bit about the piece that you have at the gathered show?
1: yeah uh it looks tiny in that yeah, gallery <laughs> it's I think it's the smallest little thing in there uh,
0: but the so it's just
1: a little uh, it's uh, like 12 by 12 inches or something. It's like a little square. And it's just a yellow. Well, yeah, it's kind of orangish gold. I think it's just Indian yellow over cadmium ground. Uh, and it's got a little tray at the bottom uh, with a couple candles that that were burned on it. But I have sort of a, uh, a lot of paintings that have like shelves built into them. So some of them just hold raw pigment or sometimes I, yeah, burn candles on them or just kind of put things on them. But, uh, so it's got that little kind of third dimensional, uh, element in there too.
0: Okay. The pigments that you just mentioned, are they, do you make them yourself or do you buy them? And then how, what's that like? Um, yeah, so the, the, uh, the pigments themselves just,
1: they, they come from, um, I don't make them. Uh, I buy them from uh, like either Sinopia or some of those other sort of, uh, conservation materials. Uh, I, w- I worked in museums for a long time and, and conservation people would always have these little jars of like beautiful pigments and things. And, um, and then, uh, I've been lucky to go to a few sort of paint making places and check out their stuff. And, uh, eventually I, so I started making paint with, with oil, uh, and and, and wax uh and then eventually i just kind of started um also piling up that raw pigment material
0: can you talk about uh, about the concept of adding the pigment to that shelf that's it's a constant work it's a thread that i think at least the shelf is and then there's other like you mentioned candles or pigments being placed onto it um
1: i mean i think i i look uh a lot at um you know, it's, but when I started doing that kind of work, I was looking at um, the support surface guys. So some, some of the, uh, I guess, people who are sort of materially taking apart paintings. And, um, you know, again, I still think of this stuff as really in the tradition of painting, but um, there's this kind of like object quality to a lot of the work. And so I just started thinking about the sort of like constituent materials of paintings and sort of disassembling those and figuring out other ways to sort of present the material of painting um, other than know putting it in a binder and applying it to a surface directly all the time
0: well i can also see a thread of the maybe the landscape painting that you mentioned a few minutes ago like i would imagine the the pigment suggests some sort of a mound or a hill or something like that
1: Uh, yeah totally i mean they feel that way to to me uh and they do, I think it's a cool thing in terms of like what what color and space do a lot of times when you're applying pigment directly in, in sort of a, a layer. Um, but adding in that sort of, you know, I guess you have like a an x and a Y and a Z dimension or whatever, uh, adding in that third dimension, but using color to do it, kind of turns some of that on its head. So like a, you know, like a cool color will retreat in a painting, but if you pile up a ton of cobalt or something terrible and toxic like that in the front of a painting, then it sort of can't do the painting spatial relationship thing that it would do in a traditional kind of color environment. So I think that that kind of stuff is a fun way to open up and play around with, you know, like this stuff, if you look at like an Albers painting or any of Albers great books, you know, or whatever, I mean, that kind of thinking about color and space, but but the material can sort of undermine that or augment that, or, you know, reiterate that in, in different ways too. I guess, yeah, I, I, I do think it is related to the landscape. I'm so sorry, I got off there. Uh, in that some of it looks landscape-ish, like you pile a thing up in front of a thing and it looks like almost like a diorama or something, you know. Um, but I think that the sort of the formal properties of that um, are what sort of pique my interest.
0: Right on. Can you talk a little bit about maybe your, the beginnings of your art career? What, what did that look like? So I, I went to school for something other than
1: art. I studied uh, philosophy in undergrad and then kind of got interested in painting.
0: Was that in Georgia really also or no? It was. okay. Yeah. In Bacon, uh
1: at Mercer university, which I, I teach at in the summers. Now I was there. Oh. Um, as a, so they opened up a contemporary art center downtown and mm-hmm. I was living in Atlanta at the time, but I was an alumni of, of the school and, uh, so they called me up and I moved to Macon to come uh, open that place. And then I resigned from that the, over the summer, like in June, like I quit the full-time part. And okay. uh, now, now I, I teach overseas for that school uh, with a friend. We we run our little program where we take students to Greece uh, every summer and do like a kind of archaeology and art history. And
0: That's exciting. Uh, kind of an art. Yeah, it's,
1: it's amazing.
0: Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I did my undergrad. Uh and I studied philosophy and and my you know, that was kind of my background. And then I, I worked with a painter uh one on one, uh also a former colleague of mine. And then I just I spent like, you know, eight or ten years painting and wherever I could and uh and then did grad school late, like in my late twenties. I, I think I finished grad school and I was like thirty, thirty one, something like that. So
0: that was uh, also that was in a, Georgia. No,
1: that was uh, at the University of Washington in Seattle.
0: Oh, nice. I used to live in Portland. I spent, I don't know, a fair amount of time in Seattle, but I I know those two, Portland and Seattle are two different worlds, I know, but.
1: I, you know, I, so I was working for uh, one of my, the faculty of the grad program I was in, Helen O'Toole had a big show at the Portland Art Museum, uh, and I was working in her studio at that time uh, for her. So I did a bunch of the you know, I like built all our canvases and helped deliver all that stuff. And, uh, so that was, it was great. And that's, it's a beautiful exhibition space. And I mean, Portland's got a lot going on. I I was always impressed.
0: Right on. And then, so you, you finished in Seattle, you moved back to, I guess, Georgia and that's where you picked Uh, up and the at Mercer or no.
1: Yeah. So we, I moved, uh, well, so, uh, yeah, so we were, uh, in Chicago, but then did, uh, Seattle, um, for grad school and then moved back, back south and went to Atlanta. We were living, um, just south of East Lake and I, uh, built a big studio there actually, uh, in our backyard and it took like a year and a half or something to build the studio and I painted in it for like six months and then Mercer called and, um, I just, I have like a real affection for this school, uh, I mean, I just quit my job, but like, I, I really care about the institution. <laughs> I just needed more time. But, uh, it, it felt like sort of a way to, I mean, this, uh, not to sound self-important, but to just offer a service to my hometown. I mean, it's kind of, it's Macon, you know, it's a smaller community as far as the arts are concerned. And it felt like if I could kind of come try to make an outpost for a contemporary space down here, that, that just that felt like a good thing to come home and do. Yeah. So, But now I'm just here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So do you think that traveling and experiencing different cultures and way people live, do you think that influences your art or, and how, if it does?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, So, okay. So I think that in thinking of the landscape tradition to go back to that a little bit, a a lot of that is just making work about places and qualities of places. uh, So like extending that thinking out a little bit to either like cultural or I think what's interesting really is like a historical or even archaeological kind of understanding of a place, uh, as well as the environmental stuff. I mean, the, the other kind of stuff you think about when you think about a landscape. Uh, so kind of layering in that information is is good and makes work can can help work be interesting. Uh, and then going to other places, I just feel like you're, you're just so much more alert. Like if you're walking around. Um, you know, in Istanbul for a week, it's a very different experience than walking around your hometown for a week and you're just like much more turned on, and you know. So I think some of it's just like that awareness and engagement that you get out of travel and being outside of your your sort of routine and, and your expectations aren't being met all the time. And so you have to like just turn on a little bit more. And I think that does help with working. Um and especially if you're thinking about places. I mean, maybe if you paint people, it's the same thing, and you're just focused on the people. I don't know, but to to me, it's like the, the place quality of place, the kind of depth of a place, uh, somehow it feels more available when you're like traveling in that in that place.
0: I can imagine it impacts the palette too. When I think of Greece, I'm thinking of beautiful blue water and white buildings. That contrast of sat- over saturation of color. Yeah, I mean, the,
1: okay, so the palette of places, I mean, I think that's actually really interesting too, because like the material culture of a place is like, you know, not all pigment, but a lot of pigment is actually just stuff that is coming out of a place, you know, so uh, especially like organic pigments and dyes and things like that uh, are, you know, the actual like matter <laughs> of, a, of a place, uh, or, or if they're not, there's often some kind of interesting history of importation or valuation. Uh, in in history so uh I, I think uh the palette of like what you're observing in a place is impactful to me for sure but also just like what is a place made out of and what can you do with that stuff and, you know that all feels relevant or 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 like how weird things will come together you know like maybe maybe there's uh buildings are painted in a way you're not used to or made out of a material you're not used to or a building is lit in the interior with like candles or something instead of instead of a incandescent light or something, and and it just is you know this really supri- visually surprising situation. So I think uh, in in that that stuff again is m- maybe just related to traveling, but it's one of those things where it'll just kind of take hold, and that becomes kind of like a snapshot. So maybe I'll try to work with combining those features back together in a painting or trying you know sort of it's it's uh, it's almost like a note taking or something like that. So I, in in that sense, yeah, I think that again, that the way a place looks is, is big. If you think of work as sort of, it's got this almost like documentary quality or something, something like that.
0: Yeah. So you, you mentioned a couple of times about how most recently was the candles being lit in the interior of a space versus the candescent lights. But you, I think you're, you make pieces that also have the candles on the ledge, right? And that's one of the one that's at Mocha, right? Yeah. Um, is there a thread between uh, that or no? Uh,
1: Well, <laughs> so that uh, really came out of, um, okay, so I I, I made uh, a lot of paintings and I still do their shape panels. So it's uh, these sort of, uh, I cut a lot of strips of wood and I glue them together in these bit laminated forms and then stretch canvas over that. So it's like big hoops. And and those are uh, often sort of one to one copies of um, uh, these fan paintings. Um, so they're these kind of court court paintings that uh, would have landscape images on them. These are these are from like a, like Ming Dynasty Chinese paintings, basically. And they 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 would use animal bones, a lot of times ribs, for the frame. So you'd get these sort of curvilinear supports and they would make fans, but they were they were the painting substrates during this time, the kind of hype of formal painting, these big empty, beautiful spaces. So so I was at the Met in New York and seeing a lot of these shapes and drawing them and then started copying them and making, you know, kind of exact copies of the okay. So so that was where a lot of the the formal language of the substrate was coming from a while, was sort of these almost organic shapes that were that were coming out of the history again of landscape painting. And, and also, you know, there are these kind of domestic, you know, these like domestic altar spaces or whatever, I mean, these little home altars and things. Uh, so I would go to like, this was in Atlanta, actually, I would go to Taiji every week and we'd go and like light our candles and go through this little Taoist ritual and things like that. And and that is honestly where the candle thing came I from. I just thought that
0: it's more the of an altar.
1: Of having these little... Yeah, exactly. These little kind of sacred Spaces, but in a domestic context was really interesting to me. And, uh, you know, if you go into like a like a restaurant, I mean, a lot of times there's this kind of a a, Almost religious kind of dedicated area of a small altar area. So that's where that kind of thinking of putting the candles and shelves and that was sort of like a wall altar sort of idea. (laughs) It's like embarrassing to say this stuff out loud because because it's so it's such a it's like a one to one thing. It's like, oh, I saw this and then I went and made a copy of it, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that's sort of my whole thing right now
0: there's no there's nothing wrong with that i i, I like it Wait, um, May I? I i don't you can edit all this stuff out yeah. so can i ask you a question yeah please uh, so
1: awesome okay I, I it's it's great thank you uh are you so you're in atlanta
0: so i'm in um savannah, savannah. So, okay. yeah. that, so, that makes sense. a little bit about uh, history about myself i studied architecture at the university of miami in Miami. My wife and I got married and then I moved with her to San Francisco about 10 years ago. Um, And I was a designer in San Francisco and then up in Portland for, I don't know, three years and then wanted to get my MFA. So we moved to Savannah about two years ago and got my MFA in painting. I paint every day, but I usually don't show my paintings. Um, It's more of a I don't know, meditative thing. It's, it's just a thing that I need to do so I can do the rest of my day kind of thing. So I always start my day painting and I always close it painting usually longer periods in the morning and then just 20 minutes to close up the day. But I'm also an architectural designer. So I graduated with my MFA and from SCAD and then went to Europe for a couple of months and then I'm back sitting in an office doing architecture, um, design. Work.
1: May- so. Like I, I said this like a couple months ago, but it's, it, if I could do this whole thing again, I think I would have just been an architect. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's such a thing. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by that discipline and like, it seems to scratch a lot of the itches that, uh a kind of a serious or a technical art practice will do for you you know but then there's this whole social scale of it and like urban design gets involved and like i don't know it feels amazing like i'm so i'm so jealous that you, that you do that
0: <laughs> well it's interesting i mean don't be jealous because <laughs> it's <laughs> i don't know it there's so many different angles to architecture that um like the politics the yeah economics the i don't know i'm more interested in the design aspects and the, like the betterment of humanity through design is what and I, that doesn't really that's not parallel thinking to contractors uh, building tract homes or commercial buildings most most of the time
1: uh i was also just going to ask like about your so you paint every day but you it, am I right that your work is sort of installation based yes. at all?
0: Most of, so most of what I'm doing is installation based,
1: you know, the right work. Cause the painting thing kind of threw, threw me off, but you have that large installation in the corner. Yes. Boka, that's you, right? That's my work.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. I just, I got a little, uh, I wanted to make sure I got that right. Cause I, I was like, well, that's not a painting, but, but you know, I maybe <laughs> it is <isn't.
0: laughs> No, no. I'm open.
1: It's great. It, I loved it. And I love like, there were kids kind of playing in your work uh, during the reception. And I, I just admire that. I I love that installation. And I, I was really nerding out on how you um, created an aperture on the projector lens mm-hmm. to sort of control the area of the, the projection. Um, I was really like down and ducking down and looking inside of that little plinth and everything. <laughs> I nice. just really enjoyed your work. Thank you very much. Cool to much. check
0: out. The tape covering the, the lens of the projector is Uh, patchwork covering my covering up my inability to use map mad mapper I think it is or to map out the but I enjoy just kind of my ghetto fabulous uh, crafty way of getting the light where I need it to be
1: I I really admire that's exactly what I was like it's like in sculpture when you can kind of see the fastener and it like works in the object in a way that you know you're just sort of like oh man the whole thing is there the whole thing's in the thought you know yeah i love like a piece of tape will do it you know it's nice to like <laughs> fuck it put a piece of tape on that right. thing like that's so so smart
0: well to carry that thought through i i'm constantly up against technology and trying to i guess fight with it you know i I really enjoy making things with my hands. I love like the installation that we're talking about. It's foam core panels that are kind of projecting out of a wall three dimensionally, you know, coming towards you. And in the last two or three weeks, I've taken, taking these larger foam core panels and cutting, breaking them down. And I just started spray painting them, a uh, highly saturated color, like, uh, like graffiti paint but that pigment is so brilliant. It's so, um, my hope is that I can do something similar that I did at the Mocha show, but have it just lit with with track lighting, like a painting, you know, to get it back to what you were saying. It is a painting. So I can go back into that world. But I'm just at the beginning of it. I'm learning a lot, you know, how to spray, how to clean, you know, everything. It's a very, I, I'm a curious person. So I'm, it's, I enjoy this process, you know, so I hope to one day have those pieces shown, you know, as as paintings possibly, but also maybe casting them. Um, I got to speak with Rachel Garceau. Do you know Rachel?
1: No, I'm afraid I don't.
0: No, that's okay. She is an artist also at the Mocha Show. She was opposite of mine with the porcelain, pillow-like forms.
1: Yeah, the gray and... Exactly. Like a big wall of, yep. type of looking thing? Yeah. Okay.
0: So, we're, yeah. so after speaking with her, she's we just released her episode on the ten frame uh, this morning. But I I enjoyed listening to her talk about the process of making these casts and then I don't know the right terminology, but I I think she's she pours uh porcelain into it and then creates these Um, 3d objects from it out of porcelain and I would like to cast these projected these foam core pieces that I'm breaking down I would like to make a cast out of them and make some make a mold and then make a, a a form like a sculptural element so that's a little bit of what's on the horizon where my head is at in terms of creating things
1: you seem really um I'm not trying to turn the tables on you and interview you, by the way. (laughs) It's a good uh,
0: move.
1: (laughs) No, 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 I'm not deferring here, but are deflecting. But, um, you seem really like open in your process. And I wonder if, uh, doing two things like having to use maybe a more rational, uh, you know, with an architectural practice, like a building can fall over if you do it wrong. Whereas like if you mix a color wrong, maybe it's more muted than you wanted it to be or whatever. But, uh it seems like you're able like you're you're able to navigate between those different ways of thinking in a way that feels really open you know as opposed to trying um,
0: i'm trying it to really open yeah i'm, I'm trying i'm really to. Ind- I'm, yeah. I'm interested in uh, materials uh, i mean i mean this podcast is basically i'm interested in people and their process of creating things with materials i want to learn you know so i just that That's what it really is, just learning about people, materials, spaces. Um, and when it doesn't fit right, uh, I try to shift and go into a, a, a different arena, you know. Like the technology is really bothering me because of ambient light and gallery spaces. So I'm trying to carve a path or go dance and shift into another area that speaks to the same language that I'm creating work but just in a different either material or um less technology uh,
1: so uh, along these lines i just i've been really trying to figure out so okay whatever so for a while i was using um a lot of inserted uh leds and things like that like in the paintings It's kind of like grad school stuff where was just really changing and everyone was always talking about like light in paintings and so i uh was really trying to do that through you know traditional dutch enlightenment like Yacoban Roux style kind of, you know, <laughs> you, you take your ground and you build up your transparent layers and you sort of construct your painting with light behind it and all that. But um, then I was also just like gluing lights into paintings and plugging them into the wall. And, and I got really excited about that. So what what this is related to your question about technology and lighting and that uh, I've been researching and just bought a bunch of these uh, smart bulbs that have a tunable uh, temperature for the white, you know, yeah. so they can go to like felden on it basically and um i'm i'm so excited because but what i want to do is sort of make these you know put like security lights or motion activated lights in paintings so that as you approach them they you know they turn on and maybe cast a shadow and maybe that shadow interacts with the color of the surface and th- you know you can I, I just feel like it's another way to extend out the color uh sort of process by by changing it with, with people walking up to it but what's crazy is that you know you can potentially in a different gallery environment. So if if they have a different color temperature, whatever, you, you could like open an app and sort of change the temperature of the light you're projecting and try, try to at least get it closer without repainting a whole surface or, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm like really curious options right now, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't know a lot about LED lights, but are you making the whole system? You're taking a light and no. doing the wiring and connecting it? well
1: i so i have uh and when i when when i was in grad school i felt really obligated to do that because also UW just has like really techie like they have a whole like a phd program that i think is you know it's all digital arts it's called dx arts uh so there's like this culture there of sort of you know if you're going to do it like you should program the arduino or whatever you know um so i was trying to be really uh thorough about that stuff uh, but also like i i I don't, I'm not going to learn Python to do that, you know, uh, or, or whatever. So then I just, uh, when I really think about that more clearly though, I, and I, and I think about directness particularly as a quality that, that is important. Um, so not being techie in a clever way, but using technology in the same way that you would use, you know, a, a, like a pigment or a piece of wood or whatever. Uh, and, and in that sense, you know, what I've really come to after months of kind of crunching through this over and over in my brain is just like, you know, buy a clip light, put a light bulb in it, or you buy like a, you know, like a cheap security light that you would screw on the side of your house from Lowe's and screw that into your painting. And like, that's, you know, that's as, that's as direct as you can be in anything else that feels sort of more like sleight of hand. I just get really skeptical about, you know,
0: that's the other thing that I'm trying to like, I don't want to have like kitschy stuff. And sometimes I look at my projections and think that it's, you know, dancing on that line. Um it's or so hard. I know. Or immersive like, you- like the Van Gogh go immer- sorry, they, like the like the Van Gogh immersive experience. I don't want to go into that or theme park stuff, you know. It's like even being in the same near the same sentence as that would it just makes me not want to do that. <laughs>
1: you know you like people want like i i feel like people always want to complete your thought sort of as a like a sophisticated thing you know so so people want to sophisticate your work and they think of like an immersive uh projector based exhibition you know like uh, of, of a bingo thing or whatever uh, you know that that feels like sophisticated to people in the same way that like nft did six months ago or whatever <laughs> and they kind of want to like shove you into these little spaces that they understand to be cutting edge, you know, and then you think of, you know, the directness of a, of a Van Gogh painting or, or a more contemporary interpretation of that as somebody like, you know, Howard Hodgkin or somebody who's just painting with just color, but he's dead now, but you know, painting in this just total direct kind of perfect way. Yeah. And how much is, and how much more space there is in that little surface than in that immersive environment or whatever. And, And you're trying to, to me, like negotiating that with people who, who are seduced by the technology or by the degree of finish of the technology that it can offer. And it's like, you know, that feels so uh, like its stopping point is much earlier than the stopping point of a good painting, you know, or something. And if you're trying to hold yourself to that quality of, I think that's why I think it's important to have that genre or that idea of like, uh, like even if you're doing other shit like you're you're a painter and if you hold yourself to that standard you know it's like then you can really be aspirational and really keep yourself out of the gutter you know with with or, or i guess without going down these little rabbit holes because like i mean what what you're saying is exactly it like you're you're flirting with that line and it's like the worst thing that can happen is that it becomes like clean and accessible and uh, like doable in some way Then and then you're forfeiting you know, sincerity and directness and materiality and all these, you know, all these like kind of higher qualities that, right. that just exist in
0: those environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we always ask, there's another person that um, is part of the 10 frame. His name is Kelly.
1: Word, I was wondering. I listened to the last like three or four episodes.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, he's unable to be here. He's unable to be here today, but um, I don't know where I was going. Oh, we always have a couple of boilerplate questions that we ask. Um, one is like, what is the noise like in your studio? Is there music, podcasts, silence, a variety of everything?
1: So, yeah, so yesterday, so my studio is in the industrial district here in Macon. It's in an old uh, brewery that was, it's my friend's brewery that shut down. He's letting me use the space. That's really it's like super nice. That's uh, amazing. But How there, big is uh, it? Uh, it's, big.
0: Wow. it's really big. Great,
1: <laughs> like I don't. Know, it's, it's half of a commercial brewery, so it's it's yeah. and there's like a fork. It's like a, yeah, it's super dreamy setup. But, but my friend who who you were mentioning, you know, kind of negotiating with developers and builders. I mean, their family does development. Uh, they have nothing to do with the arts, but they're just really good friends and really supportive of people doing creative things. And so that's great, they, Ben.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: I. It's beyond lucky. I mean, it's it's unfortunate
0: uh, for your friend, but it's great that they're giving you a space to create work.
1: Yeah, they're they're incredibly kind. Um, So, yeah, I I have deep, deep gratitude for that. And when I left Mercer over the summer, I mean, I forfeited a studio. I had a beautiful studio downtown and uh, had to walk away from that, which was challenging. So, So being set up here is like a huge, huge deal. But anyway, there was the industrial district, like the middle of nowhere. And there's these uh, kind of small format warehouses nearby. One of which is in the backyard here that caught on fire yesterday, just across the back street. Wow. And, uh, so there were, uh, you know, 50 fire trucks going by and they had the ladders out shooting it with the contain containing foam or whatever. And the power went out because I guess it like burned down part of the electrical grid. But I had, uh, the, I was listening to Taylor Swift so loud that I had no idea what's happening. And, uh, <laughs> my my wife we live up the hill uh from here so my wife could see from our front porch that it looked like my studio was just up in flames like it was huge you could see it from you know like a town over and yeah (laughs) but but that's how loud the music is all of that is to answer your question i listen to a lot of music and and do it really loud
0: (laughs) definitely so is do you typically listen to pop music or do you venture off like bring maybe noises from Greece? Back into your studio.
1: I'm I'm kind of an omnivore with music, so so I mean I I, I out of myself I mean, I'm is swifty, but I uh, it's kind of all over the place. I mean I, I DJ'd for a long time, and I was into like a bunch of punk and grind and hardcore bands and stuff when I was younger. So you know, I kind of um, I'm pretty omnivorous, um, and I'm and I'm trying to work with sound now into my paintings. So I've been um, replacing those little shelf. Forms with uh, speakers, and uh, I just actually met with a guy in town who owns a record store, and he's a DJ um, about working together with, with making these kind of extended sort of mixtapes, which would involve like field recordings and sort of ambient noises, but also of actual mixtape, like a you know a set. Uh, but like a 10-hour one, so it would be open for the amount of time that a museum's open or that a gallery's open. Yeah, And then using speakers as the shelves that contain those pigments and candles and things like that and sort of make a more activated painting with like an oral dimension, basically.
0: It sounds like you're touching on some of the senses, pardon the pun, but like the candles, I would imagine there's some kind of a scent to that for some period of time um, noise, sight, you're going into the, this, the space three-dimensionally. So it's more of a sculptural element. I wonder, um, Yeah, I- definitely. I mean,
1: place, you know, so like places smell like things or they, you know, they have time. I mean, I think of the, the there is the touch or the smell of the candle, but it's really sort of like this marker of, um, chronology to because it's like an event that had to have happened and then there's some evidence of it you know so and i was thinking about like that in terms of video and other lens based stuff i mean what is kind of the intelligence of of that stuff it's about it's kind of time and so how do you pull that into or how do you pull the intelligence of sculpture into painting or you know music or sound and that kind of stuff so it's, it's really like i think i hope you know being open to how good well, just what other what disciplines are good at, and then sort of really thinking about, not even thinking about, just like admiring <laughs> those things, you know, for for a really long time, and, and maybe being a little jealous of them, or you know, uh, just like fuck, I wish paintings could do that, you know, and then and then maybe there's a, and then all of a sudden there's a way to start talking about time, you know, um, in in something that is otherwise usually a, a momentary sort of illusory thing or something. So anyway, uh, sound is another one of those things. I mean, uh, and I I really love your question. I'm probably answering it way too long. But, uh, you know, there's something, it's like immersive and uh, there's this kind of tonal quality of place. And then there's also like, you know, you've got your soundtrack for, for your time in those spaces. And so maybe trying to think of ways to bring that into, you know, to a painting, basically, to a thing that you just stick on a wall, you know, and it's kind of that whole thing's there for you. Yeah.
0: I, I'm glad that we're that I'm lear- I'm glad that I'm learning more about your work because I started the conversation off saying that I didn't think that it was really painting, but it w- I didn't say that. I said that you I thought that you're a multiple multiple multiple-disciplined artist. I can't say that yeah, ten no. Times. I think I think I get
1: categorized as like interdisciplinary or whatever, but I I you know I I just think you find your I, well I don't know. I think I just understand, well, I think that I know that I want to understand <laughs> that what's good about painting, you know? And so I just think if I can hold myself to that, it's like you just pick a thing and that is what you are, whatever. You just have some faith in that thing and then you and then you try to reckon everything against it. So, so somehow it's like grounding instead of just thinking like wide-eyed, you know, like I can't think big enough to do more than one thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean. you your background is in uh academia right
1: yeah i mean kind of so i mean i i did undergrad um but i mean i i'm a high school dropout went to college a little early and um then i took like 10 years off before i did grad school you know right. so so
0: but you were teaching I, at mercer no or yeah that-
1: but i mean I, I mean they called me, you know, like I
0: that sounds
1: terrible, but like I, I mean, I'm interested in academia in that like you know, ostensibly it's a place where you can go think about things and talk about things and share ideas, but uh, you know, I mean everybody knows the reality of that is, is slim. I mean it's it's a lot of uh I don't know, it's a lot of career stuff and a lot of a lot of obviously bureaucracy, but uh, so, so, I mean, I, I like, I dabble in academia, yeah. you know, but it doesn't feel like the most fertile space for the arts all the time, you know? So, so I, that's a large part of why I just kind of step back
0: with it. Right. Well, one of the other questions that we typically ask people, um, is this podcast is for emergent artists and we always ask person that we're interviewing you know is there some some advice or maybe tips or tricks that you might be able to share to other artists that are moving their way through this art world
1: okay so i kind of knew you were going to ask this because I, I did listen to some of your podcast and so I've, I've been thinking about this all morning uh and i still don't have an answer but but i, I mean i that's what a, i do that's think an of honest
0: I, answer that you know it's okay um we don't my even my
1: career have... as a exactly blossomed. But, uh, you know, I, so I do, I mean, I have friends who are real go getters, who are getting grants and getting funded, get, you know, doing tons of shows. Uh, and I have a lot of friends who are in academia. And I think those are two outlets that we, those are the most identifiable paths, you know, is either be successful <laughs> or be an academic, you know, but none, I mean, I also, I don't know. I mean, I, I so that's what I was trying to, formulate an answer around but the, the reality of it is that you know all, all that all that seems really stressful too and, and a lot of that seems like a big diversion away from your practice so like what you you were saying you know you had a career and then you, you took time to like just make art and just do your MFA in painting and you know like that is huge like I was I'm so happy to hear you say that and I and I feel like I mean I like you as a person but I like you a lot more as a person because you said that because it's like you just, you, it's open. It's not teleological. Like you're not trying to accomplish anything necessarily, but, but maybe, you know, listening to your practice and trying to keep up with it and grow alongside it, you know, and like.
0: That's ah, my fuck, hope. I mean, if, uh, I want to get back you- to that. Time, What's that?
1: Yeah. I just was saying, I mean, I get, yeah, if that's how you can spend your time, you know, like. Fuck everything else. I mean, that's, that's the way to spend your time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. I don't know, like, I, I think whatever you do to make a living, I feel like is always going to be secondary to that, even if it is intentionally related to to the arts, even if you're teaching art or you're selling art, you know, uh, all of that seems like it would have to come after the, the real thing, whatever that is, the kind of deeper, more open, uh, less reflective, less intentional kind of time, you know, and that feels fundamental like like in a almost sacred i mean that's a, the unfuckwithable, withable you know kind of way to, with, to be an artist and uh i think however you support that is the way to do it that's bartending or professorship i mean those are the exact same moral sort of equivalents uh i think when you're when you're comparing them to something as deep as your art practice you know yeah
0: i keep saying this to myself and i like the only reason why i'm back or one of the reasons why I'm back working in an architecture office is because I'm experienced at it and I put in the time I've got the education, I've got the professional experience and I'm hoping to one day go back. You know, I hope that I, if I just put in the hard work and continue to, to hone my craft that I'll be able to uh, maybe allow the fulcrum where architecture is higher, you know, it's the heavier thing right now and it's, um, taking up more of my time lately, at least I'm hoping I can get this, you know, keep doing the time with my creative stuff and my artwork. So the scale will come back and I can, can just only do art, you know? Um, and when the time's right, it'll be there. You know, that's the way I keep reminding myself.
1: Or it will just be more urgent than the other stuff. There you go. (laughs) I hear that. It's probably not ever gonna be a good time to do it, but it but it maybe becomes uh like uncomfortable to continue not doing it, you know, and then it's like whatever, okay, you just you know blow up your life and do it,
0: yeah, and that's the that's how I got here um the first time, just stopping architecture and just jumping in the pool, and it was amazing
1: Thanks so much but't that be my answer for advice to younger artists or you know emerging <laughs> artists like blow up your life
0: and just do. It. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not really i'm just kidding but you know like uh
0: just do your art li- just work hard right
1: well yeah maybe not work hard but but like keep your well i mean how do you say that keep you listen to your work i mean you know if your work wants you to work hard sure but like i think to, to do whatever i mean the they they you know it tells you what it wants i mean you just you just do it you know and sometimes that's laborious and sometimes it's really not, you know, but, but I, th- I mean, I think there is this kind of mantra of work hard, but I just really try to avoid like the grind set, you know, in your, in your art practice. Cause it's like, it's not all hard, you know, I hope not. I mean, I, I don't feel like it is, yeah, you know, I mean, you do it, you show up. I mean, I, I, I get here before the sun comes up every day and I work as long as I can. And I mean, but that's, it's, you know, it's pleasure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's like a deep, satisfying, quiet, pleasurable experience you know so I don't think of that as hard work I just I just get up early and get down here
0: that's well said
1: um, anyway so yeah <laughs> I'm really bad at advice I taught a whole I like wrote a course it was a, a year-long senior seminar for all the kids coming through our BFA program that was you know curatorial practices and professional practices for their senior year uh it culminated in their uh, exhibition so you know it was supposed to be practical and it started out as a kind of a practical thing, but towards the end of my career teaching, I just, you know, we were just like reading Rilke and looking at art and and talking about, you know, meaning and how to preserve meaning in the face of necessity and all these things, you know, and it, it really ended up being much more about sort of resisting your career or the pressure of a career than, than how to have one, which maybe speaks to why it was marginally successful academic career. But like I, just you know it, 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 the more that we all opened up and talked about it and this is over years it it became less about how to be successful and more about like how small the role of success is in a in a real life you know or some something more like that and, and just tolerating the like kind of waves of disappointment or the waves of people not knowing what you're doing or whatever but but just uh Staying on some course that you charted yourself, in spite of that, and and actually really almost neglecting the professional intentionally, you know, backing up from it a um, second that it, it starts to smell a little bit, you know, and uh, I don't know. I found myself just really encouraging them, like you know, maybe just don't have a career, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like maybe don't be successful and see and see what that's like, but because you know you're talking about openness and, and you're talking about um, not putting extrinsic, extrinsic expectations on your work and being sincere and all that. Like, you know, being unsuccessful or being kind of marginal is like a great place to be. I mean, if you're just, if just in terms of you as an artist, like not giving a shit is such a good thing, you know? And so I, I, I think if it's possible to cultivate that without sabotaging your entire life, that's like the move, you know? It's just, just don't do the career thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i think that that's a good way to end the show or end this episode i think it was good advice <laughs> even though you're, you don't think so i i appreciate what you just said so i'm
1: into it yeah i man i appreciate your time so much this is really um this is such a such a privilege to get to talk to you and i i appreciate being on the podcast but also i would i would love to uh, hang out and actually like uh you know get some coffee and just chat like, like a wonderful person.
0: yeah awesome cool. thanks for your time ben best of luck
1: Yeah. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.